Morning, everybody. Uh, let's, let's pray as we look at this passage. Father, we ask that you would speak to us um, through your word, by your spirit. Uh, encourage us and challenge us where necessary, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Um, now, I am... Uh, by the way, this, this whole... Uh, this, this is a beginning of a new series uh, that we're doing in church for the next few weeks, uh, looking at kind of <clears throat> um, various things to do with the Christian life, like church, the Bible, worship, and one or two other things, things that we might grow kind of apathetic about and trying to flip them and, and become inspired by them and see them as um, more central to our lives. Um, and today we're thinking about church, and, there, and I kind of uh, haven't written any of this down, so forgive me if I ramble, but I, I want to just say it is possible I will offend people this morning, and if I do that, it is certainly not my intention to offend people, um, and it will be inadvertent, but come and speak to me afterwards if I do. Um, and it may be that we can talk further, and hopefully it's a misunderstanding. Um, good. And also, it's not for you, if you are a visitor here this morning, uh, it is, don't hear this as a condemnation, because this is a, this is a kind of message for people who are coming regularly to church. Um, if you're a visitor, listen in and think, what do I make of all of this? Um, because I think there's something in there for you as well. Okay, that said, here we are, Hebrews chapter 10, page 1208 in your, in your church Bibles. Have it open if you'd like to. And it said these words, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, <laughs> this Hebrews is, a, is, a, is actually probably a sermon. And you can hear a bit of a preacher coming through there where he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, as he eyeballs particular people that aren't there. Um, and I say that because, uh, funnily enough, this is him kind of coming into land in his sermon, and he's got another four chapters to go, so that'll be familiar to some of you. Uh, as people say, I'm just at my final point, and then 20 minutes later, still going. Um, It'd be tempting to hear this as a finger wag. And it sounds a little bit like that as we read it from this preacher, the writer to the Hebrews. Um, I don't think it is. Rather, it is an encouragement. It's an encouragement um, to keep going. Uh, it is interesting to note, though, that he is talking in the first century, so 2,000 years ago nearly, and saying, let us not give up meeting together as some in their habit of doing. So in the first and second generation of Christians, it was already a thing that people were not very regular at going to church and gathering together with other Christians. So this is not a new thing that we think about in our generation where we think, oh, no one goes to church like they used to. You know, there's no commitment now. No, no, this is an ancient thing, t'was ever thus. Um, but it's not necessarily the way it should be. And so the Hebrews writer is saying, look, let's have a think about this. Um, good. Earlier this week, I conducted some highly scientific research on Facebook. Um, uh, if anyone's friends with me on Facebook, you may have seen it. Um, and I'll say that it was on Facebook because I'm officially old and I do not engage with social media that was invented after the kind of early, mid-2000s. Um, so it was on Facebook. Um, though I think I, I, my daughter, I think, is vaguely impressed that I have 868 friends uh, on Facebook. Um, anyway, I asked my friends to share their top three reasons not to go to church. 
Um, what, what are the top three reasons you might have for not going to church? It's kind of, for Christians, I got some kind of non-Christians engaging with it as well, which is really interesting. I would love to do another sermon on their reasons for not going to church, because that, that, there's some good ones. And there's some very interesting reasons that those of us who call ourselves Christians don't go to church as well. Um, and they're quite hard hearing. Uh, listen to this. This is some of them. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. Um, it's too early on a Sunday. My faith is between me and God. I can meet him on my bike ride. Church is full of hypocrites, bigots, and boomers. Um, it's the only time I have with my family. I can get my spiritual feed online at a time that suits. There are weeks I'm too messed up to go. And then this one, if, if my mental health is bad, it doesn't feel safe to go. Because Christians are gushy and don't respect boundaries. That's what she said. They said. The, the fear of bursting into tears. Um, someone else said church consistently left me feeling depressed. Which is sad. Um, someone, many people said they felt let down by the church. Um, one person said the music is terrible. That person had never been to Holy Trinity, can I say? Um, <laughs> But they did say, the music's rubbish, don't want to go, why would I go? Um, some said they, one said they couldn't cope with the faith with no cracks in others. They said that church can feel like scrolling through social media, shiny, happy, sunny. And then lastly, someone said, the pandemic, I got out of a habit. Quite interesting, and I think quite challenging for those of us uh, who call ourselves Christians and think the church is an important thing. Now, I wonder if some of those resonate with you, or maybe this one does. Milton Jones, comedian, um, says that sometimes people think of church as like a giant helicopter. They don't want to get too close in case they get kind of drawn into the rotors. Um, <laughs> yep. But it's true, isn't it? Um, because if you go to the park or the cafe on a Sunday morning instead, no commitment there. You're not going to be asked to do stuff. Whereas actually, if you go to church, you do end up, end up somewhere, sometime on a rotor often. Well, what I want to do is to take a few of those things that my friends said on Facebook and see what our passage here in Hebrews 10 has to say about them. Um, and in doing this, I'm well aware that there are folks joining online or maybe on catch-up who aren't with us in church. And I really want to say to you, this is not a guilt trip. Um, it is... There, there will be all sorts of good and godly reasons that people are not going to church for now or, or for a few weeks or whatever it might be. I'm not trying to pe beat people over the head, but I want to just clear away any misconceptions about church and remind us of the joy and purpose of it. That's the point. So here's the first reason um, not to go to church, according to my friends at least. It's relationship, not religion. Um, I can get my spiritual hit online or on my bike. It's between me and God. Now, I kind of conflated a few there. But I guess the fundamental link between that is faith is me and God. I don't need the church. I can meet God on my bike or online or wherever it might be. Now, of course, we can meet God in creation. We can talk to God anywhere, anytime. He's the God of everything. But this bit of the Bible is pretty clear. You, you can't make it on your own, says the preacher to the Hebrews. You can't make it on your own. Uh, our faith is a family one. Uh, the church is described as a body where each member, each part, is a vital part. It's a spiritual building, each of us bricks in the wall. It's a community where we need each other. And so the writer says in verse 25 of our reading, let's not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. 
Let us not give up, but encourage. Think of a cold barbecue. We're having a barbecue this afternoon, if the weather holds out, the 18 to 30s. If you take a coal out of that barbecue, it very quickly becomes cold. It needs the heat of the other coals to keep it warm. And we need the heat of others. We need their encouragement, says this letter to the Hebrews. Um, some may say, with that analogy, yeah, but what, what have I to offer others? I've got nothing to offer. Why would I be an encouragement to other people? I've got no gifts to offer. I've got nothing to offer. If you're thinking like that, can I tell you about a mum in a previous church who came week after week with young children, I think all under kind of four or five. She was often late. She was usually kind of missed most of the sermon because she was distracted or out with the children, whatever it might be. Uh, She couldn't really have a meaningful conversation with people after church. And often she felt, what's the point of me being here? There's no, I'm not getting anything out of this. No one else is getting anything out of me being there. Well, I can tell you that just her very presence at church was an encouragement to me because it said something to me about her faith. It said something to me that although she was going through a really hard season in life with young children and she wasn't getting an awful lot out of coming to church, it was a priority for her. And that encouraged me enormously and no doubt other people. Um, so if you're feeling like that this morning... You have things to offer, but even just your presence is an encouragement to the rest of us um, to keep going, to be spurred on to love and good deeds. Uh, notice that word, spur on. That's why we meet, is to, is to encourage one another and to spur one another on to lo- love and good deeds. That means spur or prod. It might sometimes be uncomfortable when we're encouraged towards love and good deeds. It's not always just feeling nice and rosy. It might be a little bit uncomfortable as we're encouraged to live out the faith that we believe and produce fruit of faith, which is love and good deeds. And as we consider that as the purpose of, or part of the purpose of church, I think it becomes clear that you can't do that on your bike. And I can't, I, you, you can't do that for me. You can't encourage me when you're on your bike. And I can't do that for you when I'm on my own. Do you see? Um, listening to the best preacher ever from some megachurch across the world is probably a worthwhile thing to do from time to time, but it's not church. There is significance in our meeting together, which is way beyond my individual walk with God. We are saved to a people. I love Acts chapter 2. We looked at last year. Acts chapter 2, the first Christians, they get together, they gather together every day, and notice what they are devoted to. Luke says in Acts 2, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the Bible, and to fellowship with one another. That's what they were devoted to. That's what church is about, togetherness. That's one reason. Here's another reason. You might not go to church. This is where I'm feeling distinctly uncomfortable. This is quite a challenging one for all of us. But the only, it's the only time in the week I can dot, 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 see my family, play my sport, get some sleep, whatever it might be. This is, yeah, there may be good reasons to miss church occasionally for all sorts of things. A good friend of mine is, is currently caring for her dad with dementia, and he's not in a place to go to church, and so it's really hard for her to go to church. Of, of course she shouldn't feel guilty or whatever about not going to church. There, there are reasons. Um, but at the risk of really stirring the pot, I want to draw our attention to the final phrase of the reading that we had, uh, Hebrews 10 verse 25, where the writer says, not giving up meeting together and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day is Bible speak for the day of Christ. 
the day of his return, the day of, of, of his judgment where he will judge the nations. As we say in the creed that we um, sometimes say together, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. It's like a foundational truth of Christianity. And the writer says, all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, this is not a threat from the Hebrews preachers, not kind of, you know, uh, turn or burn type stuff. It is a reminder to God's people that our time scale is different. Our perspective on what is important is different because we know that this life is not all there is. We know that there is such a thing as eternity. We know that there is a day of judgment. We know that the ultimate reality is seen in this person of Jesus. We know that the things of this world are temporary. And yet every time we turn on the TV, every time we go onto social media, every time we meet a friend in the pub, every time we go to work, every time we pick up a book or read a newspaper, we are led to believe that this world is all there is, so live for it now. Squeeze every moment. Your life, your happiness is all that really matters. You do you, prioritize you. And Hebrews 10 says, no, don't stop meeting together. All the more as you see the day approaching. It's a different perspective on the whole of life. It changes our priorities. We don't know when that day is, but it is presumably closer than it was when this letter was first written. And so that reality of the day changes us, changes our priorities. Actually, Jesus is Lord. He saved us by grace to be a part of a family, a new community with a different view of things. And so I guess the basic point is that we are to consider our priorities. And I say this with genuine love and understanding of all our complexities and life situations. But I think this is a question we should consider. If, if we are Christians and we can't find an hour or two on a Sunday, and perhaps midweek, to meet with God's people, has our perspective been shaped more by the world than the approaching day, as the writer of the Hebrews would put it? Okay, final reason not to come to church, and I think this is quite sad, um, but I think as you heard my Facebook posts, it would have struck you, there was a theme for those who felt too messed up to come. So, so the final reason, I feel there are weeks I feel too messed up. Now clearly there may be times when we're too unwell to come out of church, to get out of the house for all sorts of reasons. There are all sorts of reasons we might not be well enough. But if our church is not somewhere that it is okay to be messed up, that it's okay to be less than perfect, or to feel like you've maybe failed in some way, to struggle with mental health or whatever it might be, to struggle with doubts about your faith, to be honest about the cracks in your life, about who we really are. If our church is not somewhere that you can come when you're like that or feel like that, then there's something going majorly wrong. Really, really wrong. Why, why is that major? Why is it major? Well, because one of the foundational truths of Christianity is this idea that we are saved by faith alone, by God's grace alone. And that means that the only reason we can hope to be forgiven and, and saved by God is nothing to do with me or us. It is all to do with Jesus and his death in my place, his blood poured out for me. That's what Christians mean when they say I'm saved by grace. It's just God's free gift of forgiveness to us. It is not, I'm not saved by my goodness, my soundness of mind, my middle class polish, which I work very hard at, 
my sense of well-being. I'm not saved by my moral behavior or my accent or the clothes that I wear. It's none of those things. We are all sinners in need of Jesus. And that means that the church, where we all gather together, is of all places the place where we can be honest and we don't need to pretend. The gospel of grace that we believe, which I've just tried to summarize, should bring about amongst us a culture of grace, a culture of honesty and transparency, of not needing to pretend. And you say to me, Tim, we like you, but we've not come for your ideas. Show us this in the Bible, and I will. Look at verse 19 of our reading. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, it is only by Jesus' death in our place, that's, that's the blood of Jesus, that's what it's talking about, that we can have confidence to draw near to God in worship. Verse 22, with sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. That's all Old Testament language for being set free from guilt through the work of Jesus on the cross. His blood poured out for us. We don't need repeated sacrifices of animals. We don't need our own behavior, whatever it might be. We need the once for all sacrifice of Jesus. And so here is the massive challenge for us as a church. Are we a place, are we a community which lives out its belief that we're saved by faith in Jesus' blood on the cross for us? Or are we a place which, or a community which implicitly tells its members or its visitors that we must wear a smile, speak in a particular way, not be too messy, present a faith with no real cracks, and in so doing, put a kind of bar in front of the church for anyone who feels messed up or not good enough. Because to the extent that we do that, we are showing that we don't really believe the truth, that we're saved by faith in God's grace. Do you see what I mean? We say it, we assent to it, we sing it, but we don't live it, and it's not affecting our culture together. And that's huge. And then to those who may be listening, maybe on catch-up, or feeling it even though you're here, who from time to time or more regularly have avoided church or maybe have given up on church altogether, maybe you're here kind of, this is your last time you've decided. For those who have given up on church because you feel too messed up, please know that no one in this church is better than you, that no one in this church should be judging you, that we all come to God through the blood of Jesus. We're invited to draw near to him through Christ. And the church, therefore, as has been said many times, is not a museum for those who are holier than thou, for saints of old, but it is a hospital for sinners in need of forgiveness, in need of a doctor. And one of the best things, the best thing, surely, about our faith, I love this, is that God loved you. Jesus died for you, as, as it says elsewhere in the New Testament, whilst we were still sinners, Jesus died for you. 
And that means this, that you can think of your, the worst version of you. You know, people nowadays talk about, I just want to live my best life, like be the best version of me. Um, well, did I sound like I was taking the mic there? <laughs> Sorry. Um, the Bible says, think of the worst you, the worst version of you, the stuff that you think and do that you hope no one ever finds out about, even perhaps your spouse. And it says it's that you... It's that you, not the best version of you, the worst version of you, that God loved such that he died for you. So, when you sin, when you know and feel your brokenness, run to Jesus because he's the friend of sinners. And run to church because it's the place for broken people for those of us who know that to gather together through the blood of Jesus, to enter into the very presence of God, to hear his word, to receive his spirit, and to hug a brother or sister and be encouraged that we're in it together. So there we have it. Three reasons not to go to church that I empathize with all of, and maybe some resonate with you particularly. But I hope you can see here some really good reasons not to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but rather continue to meet together and encourage one another, spurring each other on to love and good deeds. Amen.